What's up, dude? Hey, man. What's going on? You are uh, up nice and early, aren't you? Dude, yeah, just a little bit. That's okay. Let me know um, if you can't hear me too well. I'm going to try to uh, not wake my wife up in the uh, next couple of rooms, but I think we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's, I kind of hear – I'm wearing some headphones right now. So for all of you that are wondering why, if I sound super weird, it's probably because of my headphones. But it seems like there's some sort of echo on – Yeah, hang on just a second. I think I can fix that. A little bit better somewhere. I don't know. We'll figure it out. All right. So thank you, everyone, for who is listening. This is uh, Austin Bram with the Coach's Compound podcast here with my good friend Corbin Cressley. And uh, if you didn't know and if you didn't listen to last week's podcast was all, all about Corbin <laughs> and uh, all about learning who he is and what he does and uh, how he's part of the Coach's Compound. And today we are going to he made he wrote me a very, very uh, awesome <laughs> list of questions that I love. And then he named it his great, great name. What is it? When passion overflows, yeah. coaching powerfully and efficiently. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this is something that we've um, talked to actually a couple about a year ago. So I had a staff meeting at Cross Mount Juliet and kind of talked about, um, and it was something I was actually learning in school at the time. And it was really interesting the way we got a, we were able to kind of let it bleed over into to how we coached. And, and so I'm really excited about it. Absolutely. And um, before we start, I wanted to ask you, how are you talking into the app by chance? Using a microphone, is this still kind of echoing? It it was like it, it almost seems like there's certain times where it just starts <laughs> echoing and then stops. I don't I don't know why. I don't, I don't know, know, man. Yeah, because I'm in uh, I'm currently I'm in our my uh, office in my house right now. Um, nice and sounds better now. Yeah, we'll we'll okay. roll with the punches with it. So All right, it sounds good. good. Yeah, just let me know. Cool. And then uh, so we'll we'll get started right away with you wrote a ni- very nice intro question. <laughs> where, so if you were to leave your neighborhood, school, job, gym, whatever it would be, how different would that place be? And I want to hear what your answer is and, and what you think as a coach should be important uh, for our answer to be, I guess. Yeah, man, this, this question um, slapped me in the face. I heard it a couple of days ago. I was like, wow, that's, that's something to think about. Um, and, and I really, you know, I, I think there's, there's a, there's a handful of answers to this question. And the most important one, well, the, the first one that comes to my head is I hope it would be a lot different, <laughs> you know, um, I think because, you know, as humans, we like to, we like to belong and, and like to know that we're connected to other people. You want to, you want to believe that everybody would miss you. Right. Um, yeah, sure. but I think to be critical of yourself, you know, you got to step back and go, okay, well, um, on the days that, you know, maybe I'm not my best version of myself, um, mm-hmm. you know, what are the things that I do? Um, or things that I don't do that would really make that the answer to that question be much different and be, you know, would anybody really miss me? You know, in the, yeah. basically the effort that I'm putting into my job, my, you know, my, my work. Um, so I think it's and and maybe the answer to that kind of changes day to day. Uh, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's kind of a good litmus test. You know, when you wake up in the morning, um, I know for me, you know, sometimes you wake up at four thirty <laughs> when you don't sleep very well. And, um, <laughs> And you're rolling, you know, I've been blessed to live like five minutes away from the gym right now. So um, you wake up and, you know, it's awesome, but you wake up and sometimes you're just not, you're not firing on all cylinders, right? You go down to the gym and, you know, the first couple people you meet, you know, you don't really have a great conversation with. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I'm, it's 530 and I haven't made, um, done what I needed to do yet. And, uh, and that kind of helps me, you know, get in the right mindset, getting into the gym. Absolutely. I mean, that. And that kind of makes me think about when you think about the human condition and, and both Corbin and I are Christians and, and went to Liberty University where mm-hmm. there's a, it was a very big teaching on kind of Christian values and right. the ideas of uh, psychology and the Christian and stuff. And the idea of that we kind of we were, were taught in all of our classes is the idea of all humans just have this longing to be loved and to be desired. Yeah. I think that uh, that's super important for our, for a coach to kind of keep in mind mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. both for yourself and, and also, yeah, like you were saying, when you just kind of roll into the gym and you don't feel like you're all there, do that happen? Yeah. I mean, if you're, a, if you're a coach, you know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. When it comes to that, but when it also, when it comes down to it, it is, it is kind of our job as humans to, to display, you know, 
uh, affection and to show value to another human, almost whether you feel like it or not. You yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, it's, um, I really believe that you're going to get out of people what you put into them. Right. So, yeah, sure. you know, um, and, and that's, and I, and I think you can see that, you know, you can run a little experiment, go, you know, go into your work, especially, you know, if you're, you're coaching people today, go in, um, don't pay much attention to people kind of be cold and, you know, you know, don't connect with them very well and see how willing they are to listen to you. <laughs> and then, uh, and then turn, yeah. and give them a lot of attention. I bet you'll see something a lot different. Yeah. So, so true. And that's, uh, and that's something that, I mean, and this is even a little off topic, but the idea of just being a good coach in general almost requires you to have a customer service mindset. Oh yeah. hundred percent. You, you know, you go in there with any sort of, uh, with any sort of selfish ambition or, um, selfish desire and you really won't, yeah, you won't maximize your, your potential. Yeah. Well, absolutely crazy to think about. I mean, if on this podcast, everybody, our, our whole idea is, is just, kind of learning, like I said, like Corbin said in the, uh, when you wrote down the kind of title of it is, you know, coaching powerfully and efficiently. And so much of this boils down to small, like tiny, tiny things that you think, Mm -hmm. you think that calling Jenny, Hey friend, or like whatever nickname you have, but rather than calling Jenny by her name or like addressing someone directly, like those things can have lasting implications and that can really make a difference in our game. So it's, Super, super important to even think about the small things such as this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I wanted to get down to your you, – you had a – I mean, this is a great, a great quote, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. With, <laughs> the candle has been burning too long. Yeah, that's <laughs> – that is um, – <laughs> sometimes uh, if, you, if you hang around me enough, you know I kind of have a flair for the uh, – how do we put it? um, artistic or, um, I don't know how you want to call it. Um, but it's a little, it's a little out there and it's kind of meant to make you think of what the heck is he talking about? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is an example I used. Um, and I probably should throw out this disclaimer before we go any further. Um, we're, we're about to talk about something that is pretty theoretical. There's no true scientific evidence that has been tested in, in, you know, the gym on human people, but, um, it's we're kind of taking a scientific principle and theoretically applying it to what we do. So, um, we talk about, I mentioned we had talked um, this to- about this topic to our staff at, at Cross Around Juliet, and um, I gave them this phrase and kind of watched their eyebrows go up too, um, but it's really something we use to describe overcoaching our athletes. So that'll probably be a word you'll hear pop up again, um, and that's kind of where our title comes from for this episode was when passion overflows, and so um, we've seen a lot of really passionate coaches that are could be really good at what they do. Um, but I've seen them lose athletes because they're either talking too much or demonstrating too much or whatever have you. Um, seems kind of counterintuitive because you don't really think you can do that, but trust me, right. it's possible <laughs> and I've seen it happen. So for sure as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we kind of, you know, we asked the question, you know, how would your life be different if you weren't there um, to make you think as you come into the gym, but now we're going to try to harness that and, and go, okay, how do I, coach powerfully and efficiently. Um, I think the most powerful way to coach is sometimes just with a handful of words and then a little bit of silence. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, uh, but the, the analogy comes from, um, if you, we, we talked about how you'll lose, you'll lose your athlete's attention if you're coming at them with too many words, especially too many technical words, um, for more beginner athletes, uh, when we all, we've seen that happen. But, um, even with an experienced athlete, a lot of times, you know, if you just talk and talk and talk and never give them any time to give you feedback or apply what you're saying, um, you're going to end up losing them. And we use a candle burning in a room as an analogy. So think about this, you have, um, you have this really nice scented candle and you've got a room, you light it and you're like, man, that smells great. What happens a minute later? I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna usually. I mean, the smell will become kind of. Uh, you'll be used to the smell, I guess, at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And something that like you don't realize until you think about it. Oh man, I don't actually consciously smell that scent anymore, hmm. right? Um, yeah. And and so this is actually an example of what the brain, a kind of a, I guess you could call it a survival mechanism, mechanism. Excuse me, uh, in the brain um, that we basically term habituation. Um, and it's, it's, like I said, a, a, essentially a type of survival mechanism, but it's really just the way kind of the brain learns. Um, and so when we have a decreased 
uh, or a res- response or res- a stimuli that's been repeated constantly over and over, um, right. the brain decreases response to it because basically the brain is, is if we can um, impersonate the brain here, it's saying, I don't, this stimulus is constant and not changing and it's not threatening. So I can kind of tone it down. Right. Hmm. Um, the same thing applies to, you know, um, let's say, you know, you've got a coach that's talking to an athlete, talking to an athlete, talking to an athlete in theory over time, what's going to happen is, is that athlete is just going to get so used to your voice constantly, constantly talking that they're not really going to be responsive to every single word that you say, especially if weights are getting thrown around all around them, right? They're going to be focused on what they got to be doing um, right. aesthetically from a movement standpoint and not really um, be focusing um, on what you're going to do. And this, this doesn't just happen with people like, okay, but I'm fine because my athletes don't smell me when I talk, which I hope they don't. <laughs> um, but, but, it, but it happens elsewhere too. So any sensory right. input we can apply this to. So like think about um, putting socks on your feet, right? Like you don't consciously think about having socks on your feet all day. Yeah, um, not at all. Be, right, because that would be silly because your, your brain's worried about two minor details, right? Um, it's missed definitely. If it's, you're worried about socks on your field, day, you're probably going to be walking out in front of a car somewhere because you're not paying enough. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and what really, this is, I love this because if you think about this, this, is, this really punches you in the gut. Um, if, you're, if you're guilty like I am of sometimes for coaching, it's, you think about, um, especially where my wife works, I notice it. Um, you, you walk in and they have, it's a corporate office. And so they have these white noise machines um, to kind of help like dull the sound of people talking. Cause there's a bunch of cubicles around. Um, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if, if anybody else notices that, but it's perfect because that's a great example. You walk into that room and you, you hear it immediately. You're like, what the heck is that? And then literally five seconds later, you've forgotten about it. And <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about. Cause you're like, are you, is your voice white noise to your athletes? You know? Um, and that's another, it's tough. It's like, Ooh, I need to watch what I say now. So, um, but that's kind of how we, we talk about overcoaching and, and how we need to be mindful of, uh, can I say this in a more efficient way or can I teach this in a more efficient way and, and help keep that candle smelling fresh, you know? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And that, and that really makes you think about, I mean, there's, there's plenty of, I mean, I'm pretty sure at the L1, they've talked about it in school. We talked about it uh, mm-hmm. in any, any kind of public speaking or communications course. It's all about uh, getting out what you're trying to say in the most efficient way possible. Yep. Which, uh, as CrossFitters or as fitness enthusiasts, coaches, whatever it is, that's kind of the idea that we're trying to do with fitness as well. Absolutely. But yet it almost seems like, especially for myself, Dude, if you give me a chance, which this is why the podcast is dangerous. If you give me a chance to talk, dude, I will talk your ear off. And all of my friends, especially Emily, knows that, my wife. Oh, yes, man. Um, man. So I, can, I, can t- I, can, I just know from personal experience that that is just too, too true. And it's, this, is, this is kind of a, now that you say that, a funny example. <laughs> Whenever I talk, uh, there's times where I'm talking to my wife and uh, – I look at her and I'm like, were you even listening to anything I was saying? I was saying, and, and she, does, she does tell me, she's like, oh, sometimes like your voice, like I hear your voice so often that it kind of drowns out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like anything malicious or intentional, right? No, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that's, exactly. that's the, that's the beauty of uh, living with somebody like that. They can, they can actually literally tune you out at some point. You know? <laughs> so how do I, yeah, how do I, how do I help that? And that, and that, brings, to the, that brings to the idea of like, okay. So you and I, you're my coach. We're in a class. We're doing right. Isabel, 30 snatches for time. And the yeah. next thing you know, like I'm on rep 11 and you see me rounding my back profusely, completely internally rotating my shoulders at the top. Like things are bad <laughs> and I'm already sweaty. I'm already tired. And you walk yeah. up to me and you're like, hey, 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 uh, Austin, I need you to calm down. I need you to stop <laughs> for a second. Externally rotate your, your shoulders. Keep your back yeah. tight. Dude, I've already, at that point, I've already stopped listening to you when you said my name. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's music blaring and weights getting dropped all around. And yeah, the brain is yeah. in a super sympathetic response. So, you know, flight or flight response. And uh, yeah, it's not going to pay attention um, typically to that unless they're like really, really scared out of their mind. So absolutely. And, and, even, and even then, if they hear it, you know, what's what's to say that they can they can translate it into what you want them to do. Right. Just with right, you yeah. know, that that verbal instruction. For sure. So, and then naturally the next, the next question would be, okay, so we know that there is this, uh, over coaching 
possibility. There is mm -hmm. the idea of your voice becoming just straight up monotonous to the person where they're not listening. How do you think would be an effective way, both from the coach's end, but maybe even we can dive into an idea as, I mean, neither of us are, but from a, a box owner, a gym owner, what is something that you think could be done in the coaching atmosphere that could help us do better at that? Yeah, I think and that's a, that's a great question. And really, you know, you, you hear us talking about these cool analogies. You're like, awesome, great. How do I apply it, really? Because that's that's what you listen to podcasts for, right? You're like, you want new ideas and, and you want to know how to apply it. Um, and and right. I sat down and thought about it. And, and I think it's really two things. Um, there are two subjects, I guess, we could classify it into. And, and one would be how you actually coach. Okay, so the, the, the coaching cue that you use. Um, and we'll talk about kind of like three different kinds of those and, and what they look like. Um, we'll try to use your, your Isabel example too, Austin. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other one I think would just kind of be, it's really simple and a little bit more ambiguous, but it's just the, the kind of the phrase that you hear all the time, less is more, right? Right. And we'll right. talk about using, using fewer and fewer words to get the same point across um, because in that sympathetic, you know, fight or flight sort of time, you need the most, the fewest amount with the most impact. So um, we'll, we'll try to see if we can dive into that. Like I said, that's a little more ambiguous, but the nice practical one is, is just coaching cues. And we, we talked about this actually just more recently, probably two or three weeks ago um, with our staff and um, kind of actually issued a challenge for them to kind of come up with some um, more, just really three, three cues from each type of cue. So we talk about verbal cues, um, physical or, or visual cues, and then tactile cues. Um, in just fixing like a simple, you know, rounded back cue in a deadlift, right? And you realize, man, that's really hard. <laughs> like, because you have one yes. type of cue that you typically rely on. And mm, then after yeah. that, it's, you know, your, your brain doesn't work well in those other two, two realms. I'm not saying it can't be done, but you kind of have a natural bent that you, that you lean towards. Um, right. A lot of times we rely on verbal cues, so, you know, like in your example, most of those cues that you would give the athlete who's rounding their back, picking a weight up off the floor. Um, a lot of that is verbal, especially in a timed um, environment. So if they're working mm -hmm. for time, um, which we've, you know, has proven, you know, the fitness that really improves fitness that way. Um, but also poses a challenge to us, like how then they're under a time constraint. How do we actually talk to them and get them to do what we need them to do in the middle of that? Um, yeah. But ver you know, so we, we talk about verbal cues, um, and, and we'll actually talk about that in this next little section about less is more and using fewer words to communicate your, um, your, your point. But really the, the main idea we can talk about here is just being able to mix those up. So if you're usually typically use verbal cues, your physical cues may not have to be that great for the athlete to respond to them. If you right. only really use verbal with them. Right. So if, if they're used to just hearing your verbal cue, all of a sudden you, you show them what to do and they're like, Oh wow. They, they'll pay more attention to that. Um, so maybe in a lot of times I'll find myself walking around a class with a PVC pipe, um, right. know, especially in like your example, cause that gives them the, the, the sight of a barbell, um, without actually having to carry a barbell around with you, which is pretty smart. So, um, <laughs> you, know, you can, you can, you can get in that position and show them and, and drop your hips and flatten your back out and say, right, uh, right. okay, this is, this is the position I want you to be in. You know, um, some people are good at that. What we found is that, you know, and, and, you know, if you're a coach, you've seen this, there's some people who, <laughs> Um, in our gym, we call it, we, we say like, we'll, we'll talk as coaches and, and point out somebody and be like, that one's an athlete, right? Because yeah, yep. these are, these are the ones that can see these visual cues and apply it immediately. Um, right. and, and people ask me like, you know, like, how'd you get so good at CrossFit, blah, blah. And, and they hate me when I say, I'm like, honestly, I just watched it and did it. Um, but that's just cause God <laughs> has blessed me. Yeah. Just cause God has blessed me with that brain. Like I can yep. see a movement break it down and just do it. And I can't explain it. I could teach you how to do that. <laughs> Unfortunately, man, if I could, I'd be rich. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of how it works in some people's minds. And then the next one, next cue that's really powerful usually is the tactile cue. Um, right. And this yep. one's a little bit more, more. Uh, I don't know if we can call it touchy, but no pun intended there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, some people don't like you just going up and touching them, right? So um, you certainly have to develop uh, a sort of rapport with the athlete yeah. first. But I think that as far as the powerfulness goes and efficiency goes, this is one of the most important things, especially like you said, in, in the middle of a timed environment where they've got to try to apply something quickly that you're telling them 
sometimes the best way is just to give them, you know, a hand on the low back or a hand on the yeah, back, for sure. yep. press it down, sure. flatten it out. And, and, you know, this is stuff that, that we've all probably, as if you've been coaching any amount of time, have probably seen and heard. Um, but it's something, it's, we're trying to get it in a new way to you thinking about what cue do I typically use? And then how can I mix that up to try to mix up the sensory input that my athletes are getting? Right. But um, I'm not just, we can even think about it. We can take our earlier analogy and say, are you using the verbal cue scented candle? <laughs> are you using the, the visual cue scented candle? Or are you using mm. the tactile cue scented candle? And, and honestly, because then if you change up the, can- the way the candle burns every couple of minutes, they're going to keep smelling a different candle and they'll be always yeah. be kind of paying attention. Right. So it's a good way to think about that. If you're kind of a analogy type of person. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I feel like, I mean, Corbin and I talk about, you talk about, and I talk about this all the time. And we used to talk about this in college and this is kind of the whole reason why, why I've started this podcast. And even so like when Corbin and I work on our YouTube videos, it's the whole idea of, I mean, when most people think of a coach well, in this case, it'd be a, a, a trainer, any kind of fitness mm-hmm. trainer. They think it's like a meathead at the gym that just does bicep curls all day and yeah. doesn't, uh, doesn't really have a professional bone in their body. Mm-hmm. But now it's almost like you're saying that you constantly have to be learning different situations for different people, different mm-hmm. psychological things that work for different – because like what works for you might be the complete opposite of works for me, Right. Yep. Yeah. And man, this is, and you know, like you said, I think because of that stereotypes out there of your, your trainer (laughs) that we as coaches kind of get the, get the bad rap in the sense that like people don't expect, don't think we need to do a whole lot. Right. Like, and you get into the profession, maybe thinking, Oh, this is pretty easy. Like I can just, I I know how to work out. I can teach people how to do that. You know? (laughs) Um, but what you, what the the greatest secret and the greatest lie that that you've been fed is that you don't have to know how people work. And that's the, that's the crux of the job. That is, if you, if you don't, can't figure out how people operate, not saying you can't be an effective coach, but it's tough. Um, and, and, and really the, the most effective coaches out there are the ones that, that know more about people almost than what they're they're teaching. Completely agree with that. Completely agree. I mean, when it comes down to, to, okay, let's use, I mean, cause you both, you and I are both CrossFit coaches. Let's use the Mm -hmm. idea of, okay, if we are Corbin and I are just two CrossFitters, the whole idea is that we want to constantly be learning new skills we want to constantly be getting at those new, uh, getting better at those new skills, and then implementing those new skills in our lives. Right. But then, for some reason, as a coach, you almost you, you go to your L one, you go to your USAW, you go to your NASM, whatever it is, and then that's your thing, and then you kind of stick with that rather than just like in CrossFit, you're constantly learning, applying stuff like that, and practicing. You kind of get it's easy for a coach to get stuck in and it's a coach to get stuck in his ways, his or her ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because you know, maybe, maybe you don't realize this, but you're in a survival mode too, right? We talk about the athlete that's in just this huge, you know, sympathetic sort of response and in, in yeah. fight or flight in the flight or flight mechanism. And um, you're kind of in that way too, because you as the coach have to, your, your life or death situation is getting this athlete, athlete to move properly because Correct. you know deep down in some way, shape, or form, that is a life or death situation. They're right. moving something that could really injure them, right? So exactly. um, it, it, it kind of – got to recognize and, and understand that like we may be a little under a little bit of stress too, so we've got to own that and then just be really mindful of taking a step back from ourselves and going, how am I teaching this person? Do I need to change it up right now? That mm. sort of thing. And then that – that goes back to the idea of, I mean, we kind of mentioned it earlier, a coach technically is, is kind of in the customer service business in that mm-hmm. we, when we're coaching, and this is a, and we'll use the example, you'll hear this all the time, the example of a trainer versus a coach. A trainer, a lot of times we get in the idea of, okay, you're there to count reps. You maybe can write some sort of a, a hell-like workout for people where they <laughs> die afterwards. Right. And then you're good at saying, like, good job, guys, three more reps, you're almost done, versus the idea of a coach it truly understands that, like – and uh, there's a friend of mine named Trinity Wheeler who's actually opening up a gym in, in Charleston who I think is – if you look back on my Instagram 
I think it was to what it, the, my, my post about what is a coach. He had such an amazing uh, thing to say that like, cause he works on Broadway. So he thinks yeah. of coaching almost the same way where he has this performance that he mm-hmm. wants to make beautiful and have the people in awe about, and he wants them to enjoy themselves. And he almost is, he uses that as his method of coaching as well. So it's important for as a coach to not only be mindful of what scent of the candle you are, <laughs> yeah. but also how to figure out your scent, change the scent as often as you can, and then also package that up in a way that is kind of entertainment in some, in some capacity to the yeah. people. Of course, there's the idea of you need to keep them safe, make sure it's effective, things like that. But at the same time, this is supposed to be the best hour of people's day. Absolutely. Yeah, that was, that was something you know, I, I talked about last week, and, and you're absolutely right. I love that analogy. That's really cool. Um, yeah, make it entertaining. You know, people, people remember that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and just something too, before we move on, I just, I wanted to say this cause it just popped in my head after you mentioned that, um, you know, we, we had made the analogy of the, of these three types of cues to three different types of candles, but, and, and I'll say this just, just so you, you're, you don't get too, can too, uh, set in one way. If you've got one cent a candle, that's great. And is a bestseller. Yeah. You, you don't have to change it up as much maybe as the other ones. Yeah. Right? Sure, um, sure. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, if maybe you're you're really good at just giving visual cues and it seems like regardless of the person that you approach with, they, they're able to apply um, that cue that you give them, then man, you know, you can obviously burn that candle a little bit more than the others um, mm. to kind of enhance the performance, right? So just something yeah. to, to think about. And, and, That's a great and, point. Yeah, and probably, to, you know, more on the lines of, on lines of now kind of throwing it in, in everyone else's court to say, okay, think about yourself and, when you coached, when you did that type of cue, what was the response? If the response is yep. good. That tells you that's probably something I need to use more than others. So, And I think this, is, this kind of leads us to the idea of, okay, so we know all this now. We know all this overcoaching. We know the different tactile cues. Or, I mean, sorry, the different cues. That's one of the, tech, one of the cues. Right. Um, yeah. But the idea of, okay, how – so if, if I am coaching a class – how can I effectively think about these things and also get better at them, which is something that I think more CrossFit coach, I mean, CrossFit gyms are getting into is the idea of some sort of evaluation mm-hmm. and how um, I think it's our job as coaches, whether or not you are our gym owners, head coaches, whatever other coaches sh- should be almost evaluating the other coaches as well to not in a way where you want to one up the next person, but the idea of we should, if you and I are both coaches at mountain, across a mountain Juliet and you see me, let's say burning a candle for too long, (laughs) that is also going to affect you as a coach as well. Cause that can, that can change the rapport of the, of the client to the whole entire gym. Mm -hmm. And although there's, there's one bad smelling candle, the whole store essentially starts to smell yeah. bad to that person. Yep. Yeah. Because, you know, we know that, that sensor, <laughs> if we're using this analogy, sensor very permeable, right? So they're going to affect um, everything else. I just, I literally just thought of this because we, we do it when we do meal prep on the weekends, my wife and I, um, like we, we close our bedroom door, right? Because it's, we, we're cooking so much and the, and the smells are so strong mm-hmm. and, and we have a really open floor plan in our house, which is great, but then also bad because like the scents are going to get into our bedroom. We're going to smell like, you know, roasted red potatoes for like two weeks. Right. Um, and so, so you got to kind of, we got to close those off because those things we don't, don't want there. Um, because if we, we think about it, you, you, you realize, man, like every time you walk in this room, it smells like something weird, you know, and that's yeah. not the way he wants your gym to operate. So, and that's, that's a great, that's exactly right. That's a great idea as well. And, and kind of what we did at, at, at our gym anyway is when we had this meeting and I had introduced this idea to our, to our other coaches, I kind of just said, we've got to, you've got to be willing to be called out about this. And, and literally you yes. just be, be understand when, when someone comes over you, and this is perfect because we'll talk about this here in a minute, when we say less is more. You don't have to go up and, and pull your fellow, co- fellow coach aside and say, hey, you've been using this cue too much or blah, 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 blah. As long as the, um, the coach themselves are aware of what type of cue they typically use 
and kind of know their pitfalls in that and you know your pitfalls in your own coaching style, well, you can literally just go up and use the phrase. If you have the sort of transparency with and rapport with your other coaches, you can go up and say, hey, your candle's been burning too long and walk away. And yeah, that's it. Absolutely. You know, and, it, and it's just a, that kind of that verbal reminder coming from somebody else. Just, oh, yeah, I've probably been using my verbal cues too much. Um, and I need to stop and be silent and let the athlete process it a little bit. Or, you know, oh, man, I'm really over demonstrating this. I need to just let the athlete move a little bit and figure it out on their own. Right. And that makes me think about when you first I mean, you would get this more probably than the average person. Uh, but this kind of made me think of this was the idea of like in the medical terms, a triage. Mm-hmm. So like the whole idea of medical triage is like you, you take things at the most important to least important. Right. So I think with the overcoaching, what could be is like, okay, when you have a, a new coach, very passionate, just got off their L1, L2, whatever certification. And they see, yeah. they see a certain, let's say a certain technical fault. And they are just so on fire to tell that person a technical fault when in reality, it's not of utmost importance at that time. Mm -hmm. And of course, that depends on the time uh, versus another thing. So it's important as a as a coach to understand these different cues and the importance that uh, and the time kind of the importance of the timing aspect of it as well. Because if you have someone that is deadlifting with horribly rounded back and you see, okay, maybe their knee or their knee is going valgus for one second. And you're like, hey, uh, keep, push your knees out. But his back is completely rounded. Like that's not going to be a useful cue for yeah. someone. Yeah. Right. So the idea of you need to also think about, <laughs> I, I don't know why I keep using, yeah, keep going back to the candle thing, but you need to think it about works. <laughs> what, what, uh, what smell you're putting off <laughs> yeah. in, your, in your CrossFit class based off yeah. of what cues you're, you're giving. Absolutely. And man, I'm, I'm telling you, I, oh, I almost jumped right into the weeds, but I'm going to hold myself back here because we are kind of getting down the road that, that is a lot more technical, right? In the sense yes. of, yes. man, there's, so how do I triage? Oh, buddy, do you have three more hours? Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, uh, exactly. You know, so we, we have to understand that like, this is something we're, we're kind of starting to touch on a subject that is much more technical. And so this is why you have a great team of coaches around you or, you know, great resources to go back to about triage and might could be something we talk about, um, you know, in in another episode, but um, yeah, that's, I think that's incredibly important. Um, The two most important things at this point we've really covered are know how you coach typically so that you can change up the way you coach and then know how to triage well so that you can apply the best type of cue or the best type of coaching to that scenario. But like I said, that second piece, we're not really going to have enough time to touch on. No, but uh, from there, I mean, yeah, we can, we can kind of go on to the next, the next portion we, we alluded to a little bit earlier, but I want you to, to expand upon the topic of less is more when it comes to the coach and, and their cues and their different coaching styles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is going to take probably a more direct route to the verbal cue candle, if we will. Um, mm-hmm. But you can apply it to, to really anything because um, I've seen it's, it's less common, but I've seen coaches who over demonstrate and, you know, they look like they're doing some sort of Broadway dance up there. I was going to say they're dancing. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah. So, again, not as typical, but it, it can happen. Um, and, and really, we the, the main question that I kind of like to ask people is, can you say what you were going to say in like five words and then silence? That scares people. <laughs> Because people yeah. hate silence so much. Yes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Nine out of ten. I saw there's those weirdos that really love it. And I'm like, you know what? Good for you. Clearly, you and I both do not appreciate silence very much. Um, so it's, it's tough. It's tough to really yeah. to turn that off. But we were talking a little bit earlier about how um, the scenario of an athlete in the middle of a workout that has 30 snatches for time in the middle of this room with a bunch of other people doing the same thing, there's a ton of noise, their brain's getting all kinds of stimuli and we're trying to figure out how to be that one most important stimulus that gets to their brain, that sensory input that gets received and, and relayed to the whole body. And, and when we think about all that, we've got to figure out how to cut through the noise literally. Um, because if you give that athlete too much in that scenario, it's going to like, we've talked about fall to the wayside. Right. So, um, I, and, and this may, you know, we, we might need to develop a little different scenario for this. Um, maybe in, in more of a 
calm, not for time type of setting, but um, silence is a really powerful tool to allow the athlete to start processing it. Yes. If they're just constantly hearing the word that you're giving them. Their brain is still just trying to catch up with all the information you're feeding them. Right. Whereas, hey, flat in the back, silence. Sometimes that is something they kind of look at you funny and they might have sweat running down their face and have this terrible look on their face, but you'll see their brain start to process it. And then they'll, they'll usually one of two things will happen. They'll either do it. Well, one of three things, they'll do it, do it properly. They'll do it, do it incorrectly again, or they'll kind of stop and look at you again. And that's, that's your cue. Okay. I'm not going to overcoach them if I go back in and and give them a different cue. That's usually what I typically see for myself is, um, I see that that's when I, so if I gave them verbal, they give me that look in like, help me, I'm drowning sort of look. And yep. that's when I'll go in with typically a tactile is kind yeah. of my typical, if we're, we're talking about how we need to know how we as individually coach people, that's typically where I'll go. Um, yep. cause I know I've seen, and I know that typically the tactile cue for most people works. So if yeah, I got to triage it, that's kind of where I go. But again, it may be different for you. You know, your visual right. cues may just be, be on fire and that's what you use. But, um, yeah, I, I think that we as coaches need to be okay with some silence. Um, mm-hmm. it's something I've been trying to apply a little bit more. Um, granted if they're not in danger, um, if they're, they're going to hurt themselves. Do be as loud or as, as big as you have to be to get them to stop. Right. But you know, if, if we're silent, that allows them to come up with a solution. And that's what exactly. I think is really important. That's something that's like, I mean, I, I'm kind of a, a movement, a lover of just movement in general. I used to be one of those, one of those weird kids that did parkour and free running in high school. Yes. So I was all about how I like most beautifully flip over this wall and climb this <laughs> building. But it's kind of led me to the thinking of, okay, I can, and it's the whole idea of teach a man, to, I mean, uh, give a man a fish, it feeds him for a day, teach a man a yeah. fish, it feeds him for his life, like you used last week. It's the idea of, okay, I can tell this athlete hey, flatten your back. And then I can do all this tactile work and be like, hey, try this, try this, try this, try this. But if you tell him these things, like, hey, I want you, this is what I want you to do, you figure it out. As long yeah. as it's in, a, it's in a scenario where it is safe and things like that, there is so much more power when it comes to this person creating their own motor pathway, motor neuron pathway to mm-hmm. creating this uh, movement rather than the coach who is so eager to show off his coaching ability, his or her coaching ability, and they mm-hmm. force him into this movement. And then down the line, they don't actually own that movement because there's no, there was no pathway created by themselves in the long run. I know that's kind of right. more physiological nerdy stuff right there, but it's the idea of like, yeah. what I've been saying. I'm just like, tell him something and let try to, if you can let someone figure it out for themselves, you can guide mm-hmm. them. Cause that's what a coach is. We are a guide. We don't literally pick someone up and force them to where they want to go. We try to take people where they want to go, showing them the way. Right. So it's super, super important to let these people, you know, be humans and learn for themselves sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. There was, um, and, and I think the notes I sent you Austin, I, I had this, um, book title and page and I'm going to like, I'm holding it out yes. on you. You're yes, like, what yes, does yes. it say? Um, but it's, it's from the book called uh, making it or sorry, make it stick the science yes. of successful learning. Um, it's by Peter Brown, Henry Rodinger. You can look it up on Amazon. Great book. Um, really interesting. Uh, and, and really talks It's super practical in, in the, in how we learn and ways to make, make things stick in your brain. Um, and it's this, the page that I referenced in, in my notes to you was, um, the, it was awesome. I swear you've read, read this page before. Um, and it's, it's really the, the crux of it, um, is without direct, directly quoting it is just saying the more the brain has to struggle, the yes. more ingrained the memory becomes. So if we, our athletes process it, figure it out, fail a couple more times themselves, they'll get it. It's tough because as a coach, we really believe, and it, it's true that our job is to, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, fix our athlete, Right. And you know, the, the thing, and, um, if you're paying attention to what I'm putting out on social media, stay tuned. Cause I'm actually really excited. We've got, um, hopefully by the end of the day today, um, I'm going to be producing a uh, muscle up progression video, um, for That's our athletes it. at CrossFit Mount Juliet, something that we've, we've been teaching people, but it's never been in one place. And so I'm creating some demo videos and, um, hopefully some, some entertaining, uh, pieces of info that will help 
Yeah, because you're freaking amazing at them. <laughs> I haven't get that quite that far, but thanks, brother. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, but but it's it's one. That's a. I say that to say that that's one of those things. If you know what a muscle up is, um, or think of anything technical that you're trying to do in your your fitness life, um, the you want to get to the goal, right? You want to get that muscle up. You want to get that snatch or whatever it is. Yep. Um, and as a coach, we feel that we take it really heavy upon ourselves to get that athlete there. Um, Agreed. Yeah. But what we've got to remember, and this probably folds into everything we've just talked about, is that you're not the magic ticket for them. <laughs> they're the ones doing the movement. They're, they're the ones that have to figure it out. And it's really hard for us as coaches because we're all typically of the same type of personality. Yeah, we don't exactly. want to sit, we don't want to sit back. We're the fixers, right? We want to <laughs> see them do it. Yeah. And, and, and it comes back to as long as they're safe, a lot of times they've got to fail and fail a lot. <laughs> um, yep. Another thing that I think about is people, people hate me because I'm really good at double unders. It's just one of those things. Uh, if you're in the CrossFit world and know um, the, the eight uh, CrossFit open workouts this past year, I saw 18, three. And he murdered it. And, um, I saw that come out and I got so excited because it was all double unders. And there's, there's a few things in my past that have contributed to that a being a drummer for a long time and B, oh, yeah. playing, playing basketball and, and doing a lot of jump rope before this, before I even knew what a double under was. Um, and so those were all the things that helped me get double unders almost to be like sort of a recovery, right? Um, and people like, like, how did you master that so well? Like, this is, you know, you're so good. I'm like, oh, just take a step back. You know, see those lash marks you're getting on your arms because you keep tripping up and hitting yourself? I had those too a long time ago. Yeah. I promise it's there and it happened to me too. Same here, um, exactly. And, and so it's just really hard as coaches and especially an athlete that's been trying and trying and trying and putting in the work and just almost silent suffering and, you know, really wanting it. And, and you just want to help them and want to fix them. But that struggle is what's helping them develop the ingrained memory, unfortunately, mm. you know, yeah. and it's, it's tough. It's, it's one of the hardest things I think for me personally, um, and other, other people may not be quite the same way, but um, I don't like to see people struggle. You know, I want to see yeah. them succeed. And so, um, you, you got to kind of check yourself and go, am I trying to fix them too much here? Um, you know, and trying yeah. to take the suffering away from them, believe it or not, if you're trying to do that, you're probably doing them more of a disservice than anything. Again, Agreed. as long as, as long as they're not hurting themselves, you know, that's, that's more of a disservice to them. You know, that's, that makes me think of something where oh, and I thought this for so long. And this, this brings me back to the, the, what is a coach podcast and the idea of yeah. you're someone that, that you're like a, a carriage taking someone from where they want to, mm -hmm. where they are to where they want to be the safest way possible like that. And that yeah. makes me think about as a coach, you also need to know when to let that person out of your carriage and let them walk along by themselves. Yep. You need yeah. to, you need to know when to kind of let that athlete figure it out for themselves. And that all that actually might be, the best way for them. The best, I think the best thing, a like the best thing a coach can do is to know when not to coach and when yeah. to oh. coach. You just nailed it right there. That's the, that's, that is you literally summed up the whole daggum 45 minutes here in one phrase. <laughs> one phrase. Got it. See, it's all about, it's all about <laughs> figuring out three words rather than a whole 45 minutes, huh? Thanks man. You just finished my talking points. I'm done. I can get off now. <laughs> that's like, that's such a, that, like you can, you can probably tell by my voice, like that gets me fired up to think of oh, like man. all of this that Corbin and I are talking about are like the, the small things that really make the difference amongst the coach. And like, like we're saying, this is so much more than someone counting reps, whatever, making a yeah. fun workout. Like you should be constantly adapting and learning and trying to be a better uh, people person listener how to mm -hmm. interact with humans better and uh, yes it does help that you are good at probably teaching movements and having an eye for different things but at the end of the day like if you're a coach in one thing it probably will will roll over into another thing if you mm -hmm. are truly you know trying to pursue coaching because if you have a passion for anything like i said last week or two weeks ago my passion was for coaching in general if Corbin tells me, hey, uh, your scent is burning too long, there is no way that, that I would be offended by that. Like you should, right. be, you should be always looking for ways to improve your game, make other people better, make yourself better. And when it boils down to it, like what Corbin and I always talk about, this whole thing's been about, the last four podcasts have been about, 
is the idea of a coach should be willing to pretty much do anything like we talked about willing to die to almost perfect these skills and to, and to own these skills of helping others in whatever capacity it would be. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you kind of summed it up really well there, Austin, I, you know, what we're talking about is more of the finer details, um, but it's what separates good coaches from great coaches, I think. And exactly. w- everything that we've, we've, we've mentioned about seeing improper moving pattern, how to correct the improper moving patterns, all the real technical things, those are huge. And don't get us wrong that, you know, that we're kind of overlooking that uh, right now. That's, those are not things to be overlooked in any right. way, shape or form. Yeah. But I think we're really trying to take in what we're, or what we talked about today is really taking that next step as a coach and saying, all right, how do I get, how do I, how do I be powerful and efficient? You know, yeah. right back to the title. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you get in a, if you get in a room with Corbin and I, I would consider both of us, I mean, not to be like boastful or anything, but we both move pretty well. We both, I think so. <laughs> can, yeah. Can, can do pretty much any skill that, that is out there, at least in some capacity. And right. I could teach you, we could both teach you to snatch relatively fast and we can teach mm-hmm. you to have all the mechanics that's the easy part. The hard part is to look within yourself, embrace some of the silence and embrace the idea that you as a human need to improve on yourself, not necessarily your movement, but yeah. like literally your, your, the way that you are, which is why so many people neglect it is because no one wants to spend the time looking within themselves. Oh, dude, that's scary. <sighs> scary stuff. That is, you're, you're asking is. too much right now. It is, but that, like you said, that, that's what sets you apart, man, is like yeah. Yeah. you can move great, but if, you, if you're not willing to be in silence with yourself and teach yourself something and be willing to actually change as a human for the better, mm-hmm. then, I mean, it's going to be hard. You're going to have a long journey ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it just might take you a little longer, but I, you know, I hope that, that you get there still. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think absolutely. this is awesome. You, you get to this place and, and, and you, you're able, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm there by any means. Like I said, this is all things. <laughs> Corbin all is things enlightened. Like, <laughs> 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 me, everyone. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I really think that, um, these are things that I'm still working on daily. Um, the reason that I kind of brought this topic to you, Austin was a, it fit in perfectly, um, with yeah, what yeah, we were really talking does. about. Um, but it's one of those things that's kind of been in the past, definitely in the past year, but even like I talked about with those three types of cues, something that we've been working on at, at our staff here in Mount Juliet, like the past couple of weeks, you know, um, coming out of the open and, and teaching and, you know, thinking about how we can really benefit our athletes. And, and after that, you know, wave of excitement and whatnot, that was kind of where we landed. And, and so these yeah. things are all, all I'm working on. I'm literally, you know, I've got a class to coach in 25, 30 minutes. Um, these are all things I'm going to go do and practice and probably fail out a little bit. Um, yes. it's, early, it's early here in, in, yeah. in Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully this, uh, this conversation has woken me up a little bit, but, uh, you know, these are things that, that you're, you're working on constantly. Um, and so yeah. it's, it's not something you gotta be frustrated with. It's just something you get to really, I, I think you can look at it as a challenge to be excited about, right? Exactly. If you're getting challenges, say that. Exactly. Dude, you, you take us there then, man, you know, um, because it's, it's his, you know, if you're getting struggled, if you're getting, if you're struggling, you're getting tested, get excited. Cause that means you're doing something right. And you're on the exactly. right Exactly. Exactly. Like this is, this is all such, such easy stuff to, to kind of like, it is kind of easy to start, start to start doing. Like you could literally mm-hmm. go into your gym immediately and be like, Oh, okay. I'm going to smile at Jane today. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to, I'm going to be happy in my class because we've talked about, you know, this is their best hour of the day. Yep. I want to be, I want to build rapport with them. Like you can do this thing, these things almost right away. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But you, you actually have to, to do them. Yeah. I think, you know, and that's this, like I mentioned earlier to me, when I listen to a podcast, like it's really my first thought is what am I going to take and apply today? Um, yep. Or what am I going to take and think about and apply later? So I think really right now is the best time to kind of inject that and say, okay, after all the, this hour of two people just talking heads at me, what can I take away and learn, right? How do we be powerful and efficient in what we say? So um, the most important step one, figure out if I do a cue evaluation of yourself, what cues do I use the most? This is even better if you get a fellow coworker that you actually coach alongside during a class to do. Um, have them look at you and go, you use this type of cue most often. And remember, it's verbal cue visual cue or tactile cue figure out what your main candle scent is. And that first, that's the big step in identifying 
kind of how I typically go, what cue I typically go to, and then how I need to apply the other two cues um, in my coaching. Then I think next is um, a little kind of uh, silence challenge, maybe. Sounds kind of funny to say as a coach, but um, figure, take a couple of different times in the next class you coach and see where there's areas where you can say a short phrase, five, six, seven words, just a few words to get your point across and do one of two things, say it and step away or say it and just kind of step back off to the side and be silent and watch your athlete's mind turn. Those, one of those two things I think would be a great practice to see, like, how does this work? And so to a change up your scent uh, of candle you're burning and B let the athlete struggle with a thought or or a, a task for a bit. And those are kind of the two big, I think, takeaway points we can give people today. Yeah, I mean, if you're, well, it's kind of funny because neither Corbin and I nor I are parents. But if you think about a, when you think about parenting, you think about maybe your parents or you some parents that you um, kind of admire and things like that. When it comes, you all maybe in America especially have heard of the idea of a helicopter uh, parent, yeah. and then it's usually a more negative term because it's yeah. someone, it's a parent that is constantly babying their child and te- and like literally like bottle feeding them all the way through life so that yeah. when, they, when they need to fend for themselves they can't really so you need to think about the idea um of letting that athlete which is we'll, we'll use them as your child at this at this point yeah struggle struggle let them learn for themselves and that actually makes you a better coach that makes you a better parent by actually stepping back and letting them learn for themselves yeah, absolutely. That's great. All stuff, right, man. so let's uh, let's hear this uh, this story you have of Coach Bill. Uh, I, I assume it's Bill Gillespie, correct? No, actually. Um, oh. we, man, we could talk about that dude for a while, though, couldn't we? Uh, yes, we could. <laughs> is he so? Quick aside: Is he the he holds the world record for fa- strongest father son bench combo, Bill Gillespie? Wait, what? I didn't know that. I thought that's what I heard when I was working there. Father son. Really? Yeah, like he and he and his son like had the strongest combination of that. I don't know, dude's his amazing. Bench is like seven hundred pounds, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's stupid. It's it's unreal. I mean, he's sixty something, something. I don't know. Yeah, he's I up think there. so. He's even. Anyways, <laughs> time. Oh, topic for another yeah, time. We'll get there. No, this is um, this is kind of we'll we'll call it our ending illustration. This is a really cool story that I like to tell people. That uh, this happened when I was in high school. So I was a freshman in high school and grew up in uh, central Pennsylvania uh, here in the United States and was going to, if, any, if anybody's heard of the Penn State University, um, was going to, had just kind of jumped into the, the big boys, the big leagues of um, high school sports and was starting to, you know, you know, hoping to see some varsity time, played football and basketball um, and was, was starting to get there. So my dad, uh, um, was, you know, was talking to a friend of his at one point and said, Hey, there's this, this, um, personal trainer, this, this coach that, um, has been working with one of the local kind of branch campus, uh, team basketball teams of with Penn state has been doing some really cool things. You know, he'd be really cool to check out. Um, so we went, went to this guy and, um, we, his name was Bill. Uh, so, uh, I called him coach Bill and he, um, he was a really cool dude. He is about, he was at the time he was maybe early sixties. Um, and, and his, style his mantra was body weight exercise so believe it or not i mean if you if you ever look up my stuff that i'm doing now um that's actually i didn't start this sort of stuff and didn't start crossfit didn't start weightlifting until i really jumped into college um yep. so that's why i see body weight workouts and get really excited because <laughs> i did yep. like four years Me of this too. stuff exactly. right so so all all functional type of movement body weight stuff that sort of thing um and that was kind of his thing but i mean i remember being impressed by this guy he was like 60 something and was holding like planks for seven minutes straight. Holy cow, this guy's insane. Um, and he really was, he was, he's huge. He was built. He was, you know, amazing. And he didn't really lift a ton of weight. And so he already had my attention, right? My dad and I walk in, um, to his like office in, in the middle of his, you know, training studio or whatever you want to call it. And I was already, you know, like, Whoa, blown away. Right. Um, this was, this guy's nuts and he's going to take me where I want to go. And we'd been talking for a while um, and he was kind of you know, explaining how it would work. And, you know, we kind of did a distance type of coaching sort of deal. And he's like, you know, I'll give you these workouts, blah, blah, you know, explaining the whole thing. Um, and, you know, I think then my dad and I ended up having a few questions and saying like, you know, what type of stuff we'll do. And the one thing that we landed on was, I forget who my dad or my asked it, but was, you know, like, what about 
bench press and like squats and, and heavy slow squats and things like that. And this was, this is a great, just a great example of how you kind of use different cues and use silence to, to make a really powerful point. We've been talking for a long time. I'm obviously hearing, you know, the verbal type of conversation and a question was posed. What about bench press? He says, stand up. So I stood up, he comes about behind his desk and said, and had me stand with uh, my back to the wall and, basically one arm hanging out in the middle of the door frame, kind of up at a 90 degree angle. So my shoulder was at 90 degrees and my elbow was at 90 degrees. If you can think about that. Right. Um, so I was standing in the middle of the door frame, my arms hanging out in the middle of the door and he had my said, put your back against the wall. So, okay. So then he said, uh, hold out your hand. I'm going to push against your hand. Don't let me push you back. I said, okay. So I held it up, pushed it. No problem. He's like, good. And I was like, Oh, sweet. First thing I did. Right. That's awesome. Then he's like, step away from the wall. I said, okay said same thing. So my arms up at 90 degrees and elbows at 90 degrees. And he said, don't let me push you back. And I was like, okay, I got this. Pushes my hand and I like fall backwards. He goes, that's why we never do bench press. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Because what he, what he did there was he used a really practical example to say, I'm never going to have, you're never going to be supported by a bench in the middle of your sport. So why am I going to train you that way? <laughs> so really interesting, interesting concept. So, and, not uh, this is I'm getting all kinds of bros really offended right now. I'm not saying that you can't do bench press. Right. But for that moment in time, what I, what he, for what he was trying to demonstrate, that was the most powerful way to do it. Right. And I think yeah. a lot of people might listen to that and go, Oh, wow. I just listened to this podcast. They, they were dissing on bench. And so you should never bench wrong. Not what I'm saying. What he, what we're saying is that's how you create a really powerful message to somebody that was, I mean, people will laugh at this because it's really not that long ago, but I mean, it was eight to 10 years ago. I, I don't even remember. It was a long time ago for me yeah. right now in my it's life, relatively, relatively. Um, and I remember that like it was yesterday. And it's something I use as an example for people all the time when we're talking about sports specific training. And so, you know, it's just one of those, one of a really good example of a really powerful way to communicate without using just words. Cause that's all we were doing. It was just an intake session. We were just talking about what was coming up. Um, yep. And he kind of flipped the coin and said, Hey, I want you to do this. And it was, like I said, really stuck with me. Yeah. Clearly through all this, all, all this time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So that's my, that's my coach and build bench press story. I see how that, that looked like Bill Gillespie though. I understand. That. Yeah. Yeah. Because bench press, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the opposite, yeah. but, uh, and that's really, I think that's pretty important as well as like, this was one of the, the, the idea that this is one of the first times you met with, with coach Bill mm -hmm. and man, like his first impression was freaking awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And he, and he wasn't afraid to uh, he wasn't afraid to possibly offend you with with dissing on the bench at that time. Yeah, yeah, and because you know he he, had, he knew what he stood behind and knew how he, why he was doing what he was doing, um, and he figured out a really cool way to demonstrate that. So that's kind of yeah. your I guess your little takeaway, a little something a little to think about, um, and, and how you teach people as you go forward with all this. Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome, Corbin. I've I've loved this. This has been absolutely uh, awesome. You and I are both huge nerds when it comes to all things. Uh, <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree more. Biomechanics, physiological things, men psychological things. So <laughs> absolutely, uh, all you guys listening as well. And if you've been watching the coaches' compound since the beginning, Corbin teaches two whole. I think like what they're what they're forty five minute long lectures <laughs> on. Yeah, talk on, about over. Like, talk uh, about over coaching. Yeah, well, there we go. Well, same here. The different uh, injuries you can do with your your what was it, shoulder, kind of the mm -hmm. whole whole arm, and then also it was the the hip and knee, I believe. But yeah, it was kind of upper extremity, lower extremity thing. Yeah, right? exactly. But so Corbin Corbin's been a part of this literally since the coach's compound started, and he's going to continue. And yes, uh, we we've, we've brought up some uh, some ideas of the triage, and this man probably knows more about how to triage and how to effectively rehab people than definitely 99% of other trainers that are yeah definitely trainers but coaches out there so we'll we'll have we'll definitely have him again on the podcast and make sure Absolutely. to follow him it's what at cb cressley i believe yeah Instagram. yeah at at uh, c is in charlie b is in bravo and then c r e s s l e y uh really on Instagram mainly, um, you can shoot me a direct message there. I've had people do that with some of the videos that I'll put out, um, yeah. kind of instructional videos. So yeah, feel free, reach out. Love to talk to different people. Um, if you have any questions about what I'm doing or, or anything like that, I'm, I'm happy to answer. And uh, for all you guys that are listening on the Anchor app, that's actually what we're talking on right now. Yeah. Uh, I want to open up the idea to you that you can actually send us messages 
through the app so that the next uh, kind of podcasts that we do, we, we can talk about it and it can be for Corbin or myself. Cause I can always relay yeah. them to Corbin and he can, yep. he can also record on his own as well for the coaches compound. So if you have any questions about anything, want us to talk about anything specifically, please do let us know. Uh, you can follow myself at uh, Abraham 82 on Instagram or the coaches compound itself is on YouTube, which is the coaches compound and uh, Instagram, as well as Facebook on, under the Coach's Compound. So you can let us yep. know any questions. If you want to teach anything, go over anything, be on the podcast, make a video. Uh, this is a platform for coaches, by coaches, to spread education to other coaches. Because as a coach, we should constantly be learning and we should constantly be teaching others as well. So Corbin, thank you very much, my friend. Dude, I haven't talked – we haven't talked like on the phone in a very long time. So – Great to catch up with you. Absolutely, and, uh, bro. Good luck with coaching uh, your class right now. Make sure to <laughs> appreciate it. Don't don't be a stinky stench over there or anything. I'm trying. Change, change try up your scent a little bit, okay? <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks so much, Austin, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Remember, stop searching, start coaching. See you, buddy. See ya.